Welcome to Hence the Future podcast. I'm Adam Cronin, and today we're discussing NFTs and the future of digital ownership. That means we'll get into what NFTs actually are, why NFTs mean so many different things to so many different people, the benefits and problems with NFTs, what makes an NFT truly valuable, the most popular websites and platforms for buying and selling NFTs, and predictions for the future of NFTs and digital ownership. Let's start with what NFTs actually are. NFTs are non-fungible tokens. And my favorite definition of NFTs comes from Nick Carter. He's a Bitcoin and crypto enthusiast. And he says, quote, NFT is a process rather than a product. To NFT something is to assign it a distinct serial number that lives on a public blockchain. That's it. NFT conveys no additional information about the purpose or nature of the content being serialized aside from that. So I think this really gets at the heart of why there's so much confusion about NFTs, because an NFT can be very different things depending on what platform it's on, what the rules are, what the asset is, who created the NFT, how big of a following they have, All of these factors go into what makes an NFT valuable, but the one commonality they all have is that you are putting a unique serial number on a public blockchain for an asset, whether it's a digital asset or a real world asset. Another definition that gets at how game changing NFTs are is the following. NFTs are the first digital certificate that cannot be counterfeited. So if you have any sort of collectible that has value, like I have a poster from Fight Club that's signed by all the cast members of Fight Club, and it came with a certificate of authenticity to the back. And while that gives some reassurance that yes, this is authentic, I have this certificate, it's pretty easy to counterfeit that. And if you look up what the signatures of various actors are, you could do a pretty good recreation of their signatures and then you could forge some word document and you could say this is authentic and it wouldn't be that hard to counterfeit it same thing with magic the gathering cards or Yu-Gi-Oh cards or pokemon cards there is a black lotus card in magic the gathering that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars and it doesn't cost that much to actually create a replica of this paper card so to be able to actually certify that yes this is an original and to actually be able to see the record of who has owned this asset over time and all the way back to its initial creation and this being the original digital version of this art is huge it's a total game changer and it allows for digital scarcity so just like how we have scarcity in the physical world where you might have some collection of limited edition beanie babies or baseball cards that are worth a lot because there are so few of them now you can do the same thing with digital assets digital art music all sorts of types of assets and because we're living increasingly in the digital world There are a lot of advantages to NFTs that you don't get with traditional collectibles like Pokemon cards or Beanie Babies. And the reason you cannot counterfeit an NFT is because currently most NFTs are posted on the Ethereum blockchain. And with both Ethereum and Bitcoin, you cannot hack the network unless you own 51% of the network. And because Bitcoin and Ethereum have been around for so long and they're so dispersed throughout the world, it's pretty much impossible at this point for someone to control 51% of the network. And I suppose it's possible in the future, 20 years from now, 40 years, 100 years from now, that through quantum computing, they would be able to hack 
the Bitcoin blockchain or the Ethereum blockchain, but that's pretty far away. So for right now, with the current technology in the world, you cannot hack an NFT wallet unless you somehow get their private keys, but you cannot brute force your way into the Ethereum network. It is the most secure computing network in the world along with Bitcoin. Now contrast the security of a decentralized network like Ethereum or Bitcoin that cannot be hacked with the centralized networks that we've depended on thus far. There was recently a solar winds hack where hackers were able to get into the US government, even the Department of Defense. So a lot of our legacy institutions are more vulnerable than we would like to think. So the fact that we are now rebuilding many of our systems for verifying ownership and verifying identity on a decentralized network is a huge upgrade from the way we've done business in the past. Another important definition for NFTs is that NFT is the autograph, not the art. So even if you own, let's say, the NFT from Beeple that sold for $69 million, that doesn't mean you have exclusive rights to see it and use it. Anyone can take that image of that NFT, save it to their phone, they could send it to their friend, they could print it out and put it on their wall. So it's not like you are the exclusive owner of being able to look at this particular piece of art. What you own is the autograph. You're the only one who has the original. So it's similar to how anyone can take a picture of the Mona Lisa and post it to their Instagram or print out a nice high-res poster and put it on their wall. But there is only one original Mona Lisa and it hangs in the Louvre and it's owned by the French Republic and it's way more valuable than any copy of it because it's the original, because it has provenance. And that is the same reason why original NFTs are valuable while they can still be spread and dispersed throughout the web. And the other interesting factor is that because they can be dispersed throughout the web even more readily than a real world asset like the Mona Lisa, there's more visibility and more people may want to buy it because there's more visibility. So the actual value of original NFTs may eventually be greater than the value of original physical art pieces because they can gain more exposure and build more of a following. Another great way to think about NFTs is layer three of the new decentralized global financial system. So previously, we had a system that was based on gold after World War II. That was the bedrock of the financial system. On top of that, you had the US dollar and other fiat currencies. And then on top of that, you would have other derivatives, assets you could buy with dollars. That's the system that we have been experiencing up until recently. Now we're building a new decentralized global financial system where Bitcoin is the new ground layer. That's the new digital gold. There is only 21 million Bitcoin in the world. That number isn't changing. This is the new bedrock. And on top of Bitcoin, you have Ethereum, which is a more programmable version of a cryptocurrency. So you can actually build decentralized applications on top of Ethereum, whereas you can't really do that with Bitcoin. So you could think of Bitcoin as layer one, Ethereum as layer two, and then all the assets that are created, bought and sold with Ethereum are layer three. So an NFT that you buy with Ethereum is a layer three asset for the new decentralized global financial system. Let's talk about some of the benefits and potential problems with NFTs. So the benefits with NFTs are similar to the benefits you get with any digital asset. So for one, it's instantly verifiable. Anyone can look at the public blockchain, see who currently owns it, see who's owned it in the past, 
see what the prices are that it's been sold at since it was originally created. There's also disintermediation as a benefit. So you don't need any middlemen. You can sell your tokens of your art or your music or whatever it is directly to your fans. And you don't need any sort of middlemen to collect money from your fans and give it to you. You can do it all through a decentralized blockchain. Another benefit which we've already talked about is that it's unhackable. It's the first ever digital certificate that cannot be hacked or altered. So the level of trust with buying an NFT is far greater than buying many other assets. You also can transfer ownership digitally. So you could give your NFTs to your fans for free. You could sell them at a set price. You could open up a bidding process to bid on your NFTs. You can even do fractional ownership. So you could have 100 slices of one LeBron James dunk video. And you could own the 69th token out of 100 tokens for this dunk video. So you have fractional ownership of something that maybe you wouldn't have enough money to buy 100% of it yourself. And therefore you're also part of this community now. And you have a unique token, your token number 69, which might be worth more than token number 68 or 70. The other major benefit is that it's programmable. NFTs allow for meta information to collect as things happen on the internet. So for instance, if you're a creator, let's say you create some original meme, and then that meme gets propagated throughout the web, different people use it, it appears in different journal articles, it appears on different social platforms. You could essentially track how this original meme evolves throughout the web and actually give credit to the original creator, whether it's just through the social status of knowing this is the original creator or through a royalty system where every time that meme gets transacted, you get some small percentage. Another great example is royalties for musicians and for movie creators. So right now there's a major issue in the music industry where there's all of these royalties that are being collected on apps like Spotify and Apple Music but it's so slow to actually pay out the artists that there's all of this backlog of music that is owed to artists, but there's not an easy way to automatically pay all the artists uh, in a direct way. Whereas with NFTs, you could imagine anyone who helps to create an album could be given various tokens of various value, and then they automatically get royalties depending on when that music is being used. And same thing with movie creators. There are so many people that make a movie possible. All the actors, the producers, all the people who worked on it, the writers. And you could give each of these people tokens based on how much they contributed. And then they all would get some royalties whenever that movie is being played. And you can kind of imagine the entire technological ecosystem being rebuilt from first principles with this decentralized system. Now let's talk about some of the dangers and potential problems with NFTs. A lot of the problems with NFTs have to do with the fact that this space is so early, it's still so new and it has so much maturing to do from here. Because five to 10 years from now, if you buy some NFTs, the platform may not survive that long. So you could buy an NFT on some platform for $100,000 and then some other platform may be the winning platform in the future. So your NFT may be worthless by then. So it is important that you go with the winning platform so that you can maintain your value over time. I think that's why NBA Top Shots has been so successful because there's only one NBA 
And they're not going to just randomly create some other secondary platform. They're going to stick with the platform they have. So the fact that the NBA has staying power gives some level of trust where if you buy an NFT through NBA Top Shot, you can be pretty sure that it's still going to have some value 10 years from now because there's still going to be people who like the NBA 10 years from now. And NBA is not going to screw over all of its fans or it would totally backfire for them. Another danger is that we might be in a hype bubble right now. So there was the dot-com bubble of 1999 and 2000. There was the ICO bubble in the mid-2000s. And we may be in an NFT bubble right now where the prices of some of these NFTs may be inflating because people are so excited and the space is so new and it may deflate in the next five to 10 years. The other major danger with NFTs is fraud. There are already NFTs being claimed by people other than the artist. And there are bots that are scraping art websites and tokenizing them and then selling them even though the person selling them isn't the one who created them. So there is a lot of fraud already in this space, which is why it's so important that you know who you're buying from and you know that the artist condones this sale, that you're not buying some NFT that wasn't even put up by the creator. And people are calling NFTs, quote, art's Napster moment. And if you recall in the music industry, it used to be all physical sales. You bought CDs, you bought records, and you owned that record, you owned that CD. Pretty clear cut. Once we had digital streaming websites and peer-to-peer sharing websites like Napster, all of a sudden, anyone could send music to each other, and the value of CDs and records almost went to zero. And it took a while for the space to mature to where now it's not as easy to illegally download music. You certainly still can. But I would say most people nowadays pay for Spotify, they pay for Pandora, or they use the ad version. So in some way, they are legitimately streaming music and the artist is getting compensated in some way. But for a long time, that wasn't the case. And most artists just had their music illegally downloaded and shared for free. So I would say we're kind of in that stage right now with NFTs where there's a lot of shysters out there, but the space is maturing very quickly. And I suspect that within the next five to 10 years, it will be a more mature space and artists will benefit tremendously if they're able to adapt and take on this new technology. Now let's talk about what makes an NFT valuable. If you're thinking about buying an NFT, you might want to consider What are the factors that give an NFT value? I think the most important factor is the tightness of the IP linkage because an NFT is the intellectual property rights to a piece of art. So if I'm buying art from, let's say, Beeple, I buy his $69 million painting, that's a really tight IP linkage because I know Beeple put this NFT out for sale himself. I know he's condoning the sale And I know he's not just going to go around and sell the same artwork to someone else. Same thing with Grimes recently put out her War Nymph collection of art. She's not going to go around and sell that same exact collection to someone else. It's very clear she's putting out this art. There's not going to be any others. And so the linkage of the intellectual property rights to the NFT are really tight. Now contrast that with, say, if I buy some piece of artwork that is from someone who I've never seen before, They might just be some bot. They might have scraped this piece of art from some website. 
I may think I own something, but it may turn out down the road, it's completely worthless. So knowing who you're buying from and that they themselves condone it is really important. I would also say the other most important factor is the strength of the community. So with every NFT that has sold with record sales so far, it's always been someone who has a massive following. So Grimes has a massive following. Beeple has a massive following. These artists have amassed followings through years and years of hard work and connections with their fans. Same thing with NBA Top Shot. It's not like the whole fan base for the NBA is going to go away tomorrow. Same thing with Mark Cuban is coming out with NFTs for the Dallas Mavericks. He's got huge staying power. He's got a huge community. So do the Dallas Mavericks. So having the strength of community is, I would say, maybe the most important factor with NFTs. Scarcity is also important. Obviously, if you sell the same NFT with just one token, it's worth more than if you sell it fractionally with 100 tokens for that one piece of art. And then the final factor I would say is features. So what does the NFT allow you to do beyond just the NFT itself? So some NFTs, for instance, could give you access to a private community, like a private Slack channel or Facebook group. Or maybe if you are one of the owners of this NFT, you get first dibs on any tickets that the artist comes out with for concerts. There are many ways you can reward people with specific functionality with NFTs. Similarly, in the gaming world, you can already buy skins in Fortnite with virtual V-Bucks. Imagine if you could buy it through an NFT and what you're buying actually gives you functionality in the virtual world. So you could run faster than other characters. You could reload more quickly. Maybe you can even fly or you have other powers that no other characters have. So there are other features you can have alongside NFTs. So I would say the equation for what determines NFT value is NFT value equals strength of community times the scarcity times the features of the NFT. And for some people, it's really hard to understand why someone would pay all this money for a digital asset. And I love the rebuttal that Gary Vaynerchuk makes where he says, well, how much would you pay for a blue check mark on Twitter or Instagram? I bet a lot of people would pay a lot for that. And it comes down to status. And if you own something that is scarce, it gives you an evolutionary advantage over others, whether it's for seeking a mate or for seeking allies. This is really the human element that drives NFT value. If you own one of the first CryptoPunks, which was the first NFT on the Ethereum blockchain, you get status in this community. It's kind of like owning a Gucci bag or a Rolex watch. It's like, wow, look how cool I am. I own one of the first NFTs in existence. I'm owning a piece of history. And that's also a powerful factor. It's kind of like owning Bitcoin in 2014. You are owning a piece of history in the making. And if you're not early enough to buy NFTs when they're cheap, you could flex by buying them when they're expensive. And that's more of a monetary flex of, hey, I own one of the rarest crypto punks. And yeah, maybe I didn't own it from day one, but I own it now and I was willing to pay up and now I'm part of this exclusive club. So, so much of what drives human behavior comes back to survival and reproduction, gaining status, gaining power, differentiating yourself from others in the network. And that is not going away anytime soon. Let's talk about some of the most notable NFT websites and platforms. So if you're considering exploring this space, you know where to look.
The first one I'll mention is called OpenSea, O-P-E-N-S-E-A. And this is the best platform for a variety of NFTs. It's kind of like eBay for NFTs. Anyone can go there, they can post their own NFT. It's really easy. All you need is a digital JPEG or GIF or MP3 or any sort of digital asset. You can sell it. And you can also browse all the NFTs people have. You can browse by artist, by category, by price. So this is a cool platform because it is like the eBay or Amazon of NFTs. Nifty Gateway is another great platform. This is the best platform for exclusive drops. So if you're an artist and you want to drop 10 exclusive NFTs on such and such date and you do all this marketing in preparation and you drop them and you have this major bidding event, Nifty Gateway is the best platform for that. Super Rare is another cool platform. This is the first platform that has a social aspect to it. So it's not just about buying and selling NFTs. It's also about showcasing the NFTs you have and flexing your NFTs and having some bragging rights, almost like a Instagram for showing off your NFTs. It's still super early. I don't know if this one's going to necessarily win out or if other social apps will adopt NFTs and integrate them or if there will be some entirely new platform. But it's true to me that this will be a huge growth area, our applications where you can actually flex the NFTs that you have. NBA Top Shot we mentioned. I would say this is the best platform for getting started if you don't own any Bitcoin, don't own any Ethereum, you don't have a private wallet, you don't really understand the DeFi space. All you need to do on NBA Top Shot is use a credit card to buy something. So it's the easiest way to get your foot in the door if you're not already in the crypto DeFi space. Mintable and Rarible are other websites for buying and selling NFTs. And MetaMask, I would say, is probably the most important tool for buying NFTs, especially if you're buying it on OpenSea. And this is basically a way that you can transact with your Ethereum wallet. So I have a wallet on Coinbase. I have some Ethereum in my wallet. I then opened up a MetaMask account and then I sent like $10 of Ethereum to my MetaMask wallet. And now when I'm shopping around OpenSea and I see an NFT I like, I can buy it and it will transact directly with my Ethereum wallet. And now I have a place to store my NFTs, which is in MetaMask. So I would urge anyone listening to this to just explore the space, open up a MetaMask account, look at some of the options, see if anything calls out to you. Just for the educational purposes alone, it will be hugely valuable to explore this space. Now let's get into the future scenarios. Let's talk about the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. The worst case scenario, at least in the short to medium term, is that NFTs amplify inequality as artists and musicians and athletes and other influencers who actually sell NFTs and are successful are probably the ones that already have a big following. And we've already seen this on Substack and Clubhouse, where yes, it's an entirely new platform, but the people who tend to succeed are the ones that already built a massive following. Another bad scenario is that some people may lose a lot of money rushing to the NFT gold rush. And I would say, just like with anything, whether you're buying GameStop or anything that is in a hype cycle, you want to be really careful that you're not buying in at the top 
and then maybe you'll have to sell it at the bottom. So anytime something really gets overhyped, you want to double, triple check your work and make sure that it's actually worth buying and investing money in. Especially if you don't already have a stable store of Bitcoin and Ethereum, that's level one. So if you don't have any Bitcoin or Ethereum, you definitely want to start with building up a store of that before you think about getting into NFTs. A lot of people who hold NFTs are people who already made a killing in Bitcoin and Ethereum, and now they're just using a small part of their winnings to help promote the space and have some fun along the way. So I would think about it more from the perspective of what's fun for you? What would you actually want to own and collect as a collectible rather than purely thinking about it from an investment standpoint of, oh, I'm only going to buy this NFT because I think it's going to go up in value. If that's the reason you're buying it, then you might be really disappointed. And finally, I think the fraud that we spoke about earlier is a big downside in the worst case scenario. And we could see a lot of artists get hurt before they're helped by NFTs. And a big factor will be how quickly artists adapt NFT technology and start to use it to their advantage. And I think we are about to see a whole new generation of top artists that is entirely different from the top artists of the past. I've been following Beeple for like years now, and I've always loved his work. And it's so different from the traditional work that people do. It's so clearly digital art and it got motion graphics, it's got cool colors, it's got all of these nods to things that are going on in society in current times. And so I think that is going to be the new type of art that becomes most popular. Things that are like social commentary. So things that are memes, for instance, or things that come from people who are social icons themselves. And so we are entering this interesting world. Now let's talk about the best case scenario. Best case scenario. In the best case scenario, NFTs are a hugely successful marketing campaign for the entire decentralized financial system. I think more regular people, people who aren't into DeFi and crypto, are going to start buying NFTs because it's a lot easier now and because there's hype around it. So NBA Top Shot has done a great job of normalizing buying NFTs for regular people that might not be super into crypto or DeFi. And what I love about NFTs is that we're building bridges between the decentralized financial system and the legacy financial system. And I love one thing Mark Cuban said where we are not recreating the economy. We're not creating a brand new economy. We really are upgrading our existing economy. And I used to be really worried that we were going to have some major economic crash and everything is going to go to zero. And then we're going to need to basically reboot the system using Bitcoin, the blockchain, the decentralized network. Now I think it's actually more likely that we are going to transition steadily from the legacy system to the decentralized financial system. And as long as US regulators allow that to happen, it does seem like it's gonna be a pretty smooth transition and the legacy system will fade just as the decentralized system will grow and, and come to prominence. And NFTs are a big part in popularizing decentralized tools and making people feel more comfortable about using them. So it doesn't feel like you're some nerdy tech dork figuring out MetaMask and all these crazy things and opening up these wallets. I think over time, customers always take the path of least resistance. And so the easier and the less intimidating we can make decentralized technology seem, the better it will be for adoption and the better place 
America and free countries around the world will be. The last thing I'll say for the best case scenario is that NFTs might be rocket fuel for the creator economy. We've already seen massive growth in creators creating all sorts of videos, GIFs, artwork, memes, music, all sorts of creations, but they haven't been properly compensated for their creations. And it's been really hard to actually credit the original creator of a certain meme or a certain music or a certain video. Now with NFTs, it will be easier to credit the original creator. And so we may see many more creations in the future. And also with NFTs, if you have any sort of niche interest, you can monetize that by being early on a trend. So for instance, I love Lord of the Rings and I was looking for Lord of the Rings inspired NFTs and there weren't any really great ones. So I was thinking, man, maybe I should just create some Lord of the Rings NFTs and, and sell them. Or, or if I find some that I really like, maybe I'll buy them and I'll be on the early swing and then they'll become really valuable over time. But really, it's like any interest you have, if you love some artist that you've been following for years and they haven't really blown up yet, you could buy an NFT and you could be super early on that trend. And once that artist blows up, you could make a killing. So I think the most important thing for anyone to consider is what do you actually like? What do you actually find valuable and would want to hold over time, even if you didn't make money from it? And if you decide which NFTs to buy based on that criteria, I think you've got a pretty good chance at future success. Now let's talk about the most likely scenario. Most likely scenario. The most likely scenario is that NFTs and digital ownership will become more desirable and valuable than physical ownership. And here's the reason. Most people, or at least many people, already spend more time online than offline in their waking hours. If you look at your screen time analysis in your iPhone or your Android phone, you can calculate how much time are you spending in the matrix versus in the physical world. Over time, people are gonna spend more and more time in the matrix. And so having digital assets is gonna become even more valuable than showing off real world assets. It's like in Ready Player One in the Oasis, having cool assets that you can use in the Oasis is almost more valuable and you can show it off more than things you might have in your home where few people may actually see it. And this really becomes clear when you think about what did a mansion used to look like in the 1980s? And what does a mansion look like in 2021? In the 1980s, a mansion had massive sound system. It had a huge movie projector. Maybe you had pinball machines. Maybe you had a huge DVD collection or VHX collection or all these records. And it was all this stuff. The signifiers of wealth in the 1980s was stuff, physical real world stuff. But now, if you go to Kanye's mansion in 2021, it's pretty much entirely empty. It has nice modern architecture, maybe a few nice pieces of furniture. But other than that, it's pretty much empty. And that's because every asset that used to be valuable is transferring to the digital world. All those records and movies and sound system and everything, it's all becoming digitized. And so digital assets, I think, are here to stay, and they're only gonna become more valuable and more desirable over time. And I think real world assets will also become NFT'd. 
So if you own the title to your house, the title to your car, even things like marriage certificates or birth certificates, these things are much more useful when they exist in a digital form. So you can feed them into various systems, you can program with them, you can do all sorts of things that are relevant for the digital world. And how big will NFTs get? I will go with Mark Cuban's prediction that NFTs will represent a $100 billion industry within the next 10 to 15 years. I think that's a good place to end it. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you next time. The past, the present, and the future.